You are now listening to the Hunter's Advantage Podcast. We preserve the history and sport of hunting through curious conversation and action-packed hunts, as well as offering you tips and strategy for more successful hunts. The Hunter's Advantage podcast is powered by Out on a Limb Manufacturing. Out on a Limb is a family-owned company based right here in Oklahoma that makes tree stands, saddle platforms, climbing sticks, and so much more. Christian, I have a quick question. What's that? What bites sound harder, a hippo or an alligator? No idea. It's a trick question. The Ridge Runner 2.0 bites harder than both of them. But all jokes aside, we use these products all across the land on public or private. These help us get into any tree we want and hunt where the deer actually are. Most men go to the grocery store for their meat, but these products help you go to God's grocery store. I have used the Out on a Limb Ridge Runner 2.0 and the Shakar Sticks for the last few years hunting public land bucks, and I've actually shot several bucks out of this setup. If you want to support the podcast and get some Out on a Limb equipment, make sure to go to outonalimmfg.com and use code HNTA10 for 10% off at checkout. Once again, if you want to support the podcast, Go to outonalimmfg.com and use code HNTA10 at checkout for 10% off. Now let's get back to the podcast. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Hunter's Advantage podcast today. I'm joined with uh, Tater Sniff, <laughs> aka Taylor Smith, aka Taylor Smith. What's going on, dude? Oh, little little parking lot pod this little truck chronicles huh dude we might get a parking ticket here in a minute that's kind of what i'm worried about that's all right we can drive off and keep going either <laughs> this is a mobile podcast <laughs> yeah. wagon right now and if a karen comes at us we can just drive away and keep yeah. going um dude you're trying to fill that um that second oklahoma buck tag or oh man yeah uh, yeah definitely trying to fill it um, how's your november it's going not so far? filling uh no deer November is going going <laughs> strong, my friend. It's going very, very strong this year. It looks year. like no shave November is going no pretty shave. good, No shave. It's no shave no year for me. <laughs> Maybe a little trim up. Yeah. Well, I know you're trying to fill that second elusive Oklahoma buck tag, but um, you started out pretty hot. When did you shoot your? When did you shoot a first buck this year? Um, October 15th. Is that your earliest buck? You uh, no, I shot uh, what, two years ago. Uh, when we first started talking, I shot the, my biggest archery buck that I showed you about. That was pretty early. Yeah, I I don't remember the date. I have to look that one up. But uh, yeah, it was pretty early. And then uh, the year before that, the year before Gunner shot his on the the big one on this, I want to say 16th or 17th, mm-hmm. I actually shot one uh, um, four days before him, which would have been my biggest buck until uh, three years ago. But uh, um, inexperienced in the blind I was in, I smoked my uh, elbow on the back of the blind and uh no wind to cover it and the buck flew his head up and did the old tuck and run on a let go and i hit him in no man's land and uh that's where i kind of after that day i was like never again will i be in the situation i was in Mm -hmm. and i'll I'll know i'll know everything i need to know around me to benefit the harvest and my hunting abilities i guess yeah well it's uh what's it is today november what like 20th now 21st yeah. Jeez, boys. Uh, I was talking with Jake about this last night. It feels like it's been two years of hunting, mm-hmm. but we literally hit halfway like five yeah. days ago. Yep. And 
So a lot of people are going to be in this situation, whether it's Oklahoma or wherever they're hunting, that they kind of feel like the season's over. Yep. Do you feel that way right now, or do you feel like it's just now getting ramped up? Like, do you like hunting the rut, or do you enjoy hunting pre or well, late I mean, season? Who doesn't enjoy the rut? I mean, you're going to target most of your um, out-of-state hunts. Trying to, your your ideal is situations to be in the rut because the biggest deer get on their feet in the daylight. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing I run into, and I ran into it. Um, Matter of fact, this weekend, you know, opening rifle, you've heard that story, but I, I, I get so amped up before season, like, and sometimes I got to calm myself down and the season gets here and I'm, I mean, it's as much as I can, I get out, I go and I go, I go, and then I run into a, a situation where I uh, kind of get mad. I start getting mad at situations I'm put in like, oh, I'm not seeing that many deer here. I'm not doing that. And, uh, you know, I used to let that eat at me and I kept going, I kept going, and I kept going, and then it would turn into... It's not, it's not fun anymore. It, it's a... Uh, a job. It's a job. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, and then you added the stress of filming in there and it really makes it feel like a job. You're like, man, I, I need to, I need to get a harvest on film. I need to get it down. I need to, you know, I need to be there for my team. But, but, uh, so what I've done, I got to that point this weekend. Um, I shot that deer, uh, had a couple other on camera. They vanished my other spot. Um, we were talking about this early too. My other spot, I have it right. I have my two oldest bucks in there from last year, but they're both half racks. So I don't want to go. And I, I know their potential. Um, so I just kind of let them go. But so I ran into it this year. It hit a wall. Um, I got mad. And uh, as soon as I got mad, I packed my stuff up in my deer cabin. <laughs> I went home. I got a good night's sleep and I refresh. And I think about how thankful I am for being able to go hunt, how thankful I am to be able to. Um, be on a platform where I get to film and I get to show, talk to people. I get to talk to you. Like, and, and then I turn into like, okay, that was dumb. Mm -hmm. Why did I get, get that mad? Mm -hmm. But, uh, so yeah, um, I hit that wall. Uh, I kind of, kind of taking a few days off. Like if I want to go hunt, I'll go, but I'll amp back up. But yeah, I love to hunt the rut. Um, I went last night, um, saw some of the best rut hunting activity I've seen this year. So, uh, um, yeah, hunting rut is definitely... Do you like bow hunting the rut? Oh, yeah. Bow hunting the rut. Getting, having, I don't know how to word this, getting the chance at shooting something that close and outsmarting something. I mean, that deer has miles and miles and miles to run. And, and be safe. And be safe. <laughs> and be able to do it right and be put in a situation where you're li- literally sitting over him mm-hmm. and get to harvest him. Oh, absolutely. You, you, there's no better feeling than that. And, and, you know, that's what I want to tag out this year with my bow, but, uh, I've been, we have a nine acre food plot and it's kind of hard to hunt. <laughs> yeah. 400 yards. But, uh, so I, sometimes I, I have a 308. It's a Thompson Center Encore. It weighs maybe five pounds. Single shot? Yep. Yeah. And uh, I take that with me and I carry my bow, which people think I'm crazy, but I'm not going to let a giant this time of year step out knowing how much pressure is around at, at three, 400 yards and just be like, oh, well, I can't shoot with my bow, so I'm going to let him walk. Mm-hmm. I like to eventually get to that point, but I'm still young where... I'm still ate up with the harvest. Yeah, well, I've seen a lot. I, I listen to quite a few podcasts, and I see a lot of people on social media right now like saying, I hate to bow hunt the rut. I hate to hunt the rut in general because these people that put a ton of energy and effort into the management side of it 
half of their deer are gone. Yeah. And half of them, I mean, the other side of that coin is something special could show up. Yeah. That's, you know, and that's what people, I've heard that before, but, uh, the last three years, well, four years this year, the night before rifle, I've had an encounter with a deer that I've never seen and I've never got, I've never, I never got it done. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so this year, that's why I went back to that spot the night before rifle. Cause three years in a row, I've had some of the biggest deer I've seen come out that I've never had on camera. I don't know where they come from. I don't know where they live. Cause all my neighbors around me, I know them pretty well. Like Gunner, hunt around him, I hunt around Gage. Like we all, we probably cover mile and a half from one mate no we cover two and a half miles from one person to the other so we kind of know what we have around there yeah but got a good idea but the last three years before this season my biggest deer have showed up and we don't know whose they are or, or not whose they are they, we don't know where they came from mm-hmm. and uh, in that aspect i mean and then this year i went in there and uh right at dark heard this big grunt i see the body I made out one side of the rack, but he was in the thickest stuff at, at this place that I have, and I never saw him, but it just made me laugh. I just had to look up to the sky and laugh. I'm like, mm-hmm. like, all right, this is cat and mouse again. You won, you know? Like, yeah. But that's, I mean, that's the experience. Like, the harvest is great, but those experiences there are what build up mm-hmm. the amp to get back out. Yeah, well, I, I dropped uh, some bucks off at my taxidermist yesterday, and he said, yeah, uh, he said, I, a big, a guy brought in a 10 point while yeah. we were sitting there. And uh, my tax service said, yeah, I had that one on camera. <laughs> and he was like, and I know this guy had it on camera and this guy had it on camera. And then he said, one of my big ones, a uh, guy told me, showed me, because the tax service shop's like the barber shop. Yeah. Like hunting. He said, I had a guy the other day that brought in a picture and said, look at this sucker. And he said, that buck was on my place. And he said, where do you hunt? And they found out it was five miles apart. Wow. from where they hunted and i was like are you had him in the summer and then he had him in the fall and he said no i had him a week ago and he's got him five miles away yeah so uh side note before i tell this story um i have a gofundme for christian for his taxidermy yeah bill dude, this year <laughs> and uh so you might if you want to help a guy out i may be able to drop the link yeah drop no. a 50 every time you go into powder horn taxidermy. yeah no uh no my my biggest non-typical that I ever shot um he was that situation uh we never had p- camera pictures of them all year. Um, our neighbors, and that was like after I harvested them, the amount of encounters with him and people who didn't get it done is mm-hmm. insane. Yeah. So I shot him. So we had, that year was almost like this year, like that place did not have a mature deer. And that's very, very rare for this place. I mean, we're in the heart of some of the best place in our area to hunt. And even if it might be one picture, but still in your head, you're like, oh, he could show up. No, he exists. That year, yeah. we had nothing. I mean, we had nothing. We had your little stragglers. We had your little guys. We had every hunt. You're like, well, it's all six spikes, you know? like A few Elliots. Yeah, you're like, so anyways, uh, so we were actually, me and my dad, so it was muzzleloader. Um, that morning, I got down, went and got my camera uh, card, came back. We're swiping through it. My dad had his iPad and is swiping as fast as he can. And, you know, we're just like, man, this is absolutely insane. We've had this place for 10 years at the time and never had a situation like this. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, whoa, 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 go back. And he's like, it's just some grass, I bet. And I was like, no, dad, that's not grass. Go back. And he goes back. And I mean, in the very bottom corner, the rack of that non-typical is there. And that was, so that was that morning. That was two nights before that day 
mm. before you killed him. So that was opening muzzleloader. So so two days before opening muzzleloader, he came by. And I mean, it was just, I'll have to show you, the, I'll send you the picture. And uh, and uh, I was like, wow, that deer is crazy, you know? And we're mm-hmm. like, then that just built us up like, oh, we're hunting in the morning. Oh, we, we're not leaving, you know? And, and uh, then that night I killed him. Mm-hmm. Well, that morning... He's two and a half miles away on my neighbor's camera. And when did you find that out? How long? Was it way after you killed him? No, or right after? The picture came out and it was boom. It was, it was, uh, everyone was like, we were been after that deer. We have had so many encounters. We've had, and uh, Caddy Corner to us, they had an encounter with it. And uh, um, it was a guy and his daughter. And the guy only likes to bow hunt. They had an encounter with her or they, with this deer, and they were sitting in a double stand. And uh, I don't know. I don't know how old. You know, I I think the girl's in her 20s, 30s. I think, I mean, it's older daughter, but she's never shot a big deer. Well, I guess that buck came by, and uh, she could not draw her bow back. The buck you shot? Yeah. It came by. <laughs> Praise deer, the Lord. Deer, <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess it came out, and her first words were, oh, a typical reaction when you see a 190 inch deer. And the guy said, I had to ask her, what did you say? Because he's never heard her cuss in her life. That's and how you know it was So big. now they, so, and they said when it came by, it came perfect 30 yards. I mean, they could have grunted and stopped. And she said she was shaking so hard, she couldn't build up the power to draw back her bow. And he said, what, what, why didn't, you know, it was like, what in the world happened? She's like, in, uh, he's like, she's like, dad, I cannot do it. Like, mm-hmm. and left. They never saw him again. And uh, so now they call that stand the O stand. Oh, that's hilarious. The OS stand is what. But uh, they actually came by uh, this weekend and showed me an old 11 point they harvested. And uh, it was his uh, son-in-law's first deer. And I mean, now for first deer. Pretty good one. Oh, I I mean, I would have shot it today. I mean, nothing. An old 11 point. I mean, massive short time this year. Dude, I would. I probably would have. If I was her dad, grabbed her elbow, like go, yeah. go, <laughs> just tried to rope. I know. That's why I hear about that situation, and I'm like, man, I don't know. I don't get buck fever looking at him. Mm-hmm. It's after the shot, right? I think that's a maturity because used to I'd be like, I was not expecting to see one. So when I did, I was so surprised myself. I was like, well, what do I do? I'll like you know, I'll shake. Like if it's a good morning, like I can get up in the stand and I'm just shaking because like I'm cold. But it's like I'm anticipating, mm-hmm. like what's going to happen. But when the deer comes out, man, I am one of the most calm and collective it's in my mind. I'm just do. like focus. I, you know, and I, especially after that first, like going back with my archery buck that I injured. Um, going to that, like I put that in my mind. I'm like, listen, I can't get nervous. I have to, you know, if my opportunity is there, I got to take it. And as a hunter. I got to make the most of it, put the animal down as quick and as fast as I can because I'm not going back through that experience, which someday I probably will. We all mm-hmm. do. But no, I'm calm and collective. But after that shot, I mean, I'm like that Luke Bryan. Like, is he down? Mm-hmm. Is he down? Did I, I smoke him on her? Yeah. So yeah. you'll see me. You'll see me in my Snapchats. I send people. I love to do that. I love to send people Snapchats after I harvest something and uh, I'll be shaking or I always have something crazy to say. And mm-hmm. so. That's awesome. Yeah. We're at this point in the year. I don't, I don't know you. I've heard a lot of stuff recently about lockdown. I've, I used to hunt. I didn't really ever start hunting when I was a kid until Mm -hmm. rifle season. So probably didn't get to see most of that. But I feel like in this early part of November, 
you know, you see a, a, a good amount of chasing activity, but I, I think in Oklahoma, one of the biologists said peak breeding was the 14th mm-hmm. of November. So if they had to average out when most does get bred, it's the 14th. And I think as we're going into the second half of November, there'll be less does in heat, but it kind of, I, f- I feel like in my mind creates a sense of urgency mm-hmm. to those big ones because now it's like my opportunity window is closing and you, mm-hmm. I feel like you can see them moving even further, like five miles yeah. in late November. That buck sounds like a desperate dude. Yeah. I mean, look at the, the MSU studies mm-hmm. where they've tracked those deer and just watch them, you know, go on their uh, Facebook and the pictures they sh- shared and, you know, you can see their home stretch when rut begins and then when it's rut you don't know where you know that's what you know i always hear people go oh, he's he's bedded down over here he's bedded over there after you see that study you don't know where the, you don't have any idea where they're bedded down because it is absolutely insane and that's what i always thought bucks had one two or three you know beds that they kind of went around to but after seeing that holy cow they what was it 38 37 nights or something he had like 38 different yeah. beds. he had more than a bed a day yeah and we, we see it a lot on public, and I think you, it's really cool to be like, yeah, I found the buck bed. Yeah. And I'm like, dude, BS. Like, yeah. Because you'll walk on public and find, I'll find 40, 50 beds in one little 40-acre woods, and I'm like, there's no way there's that many deer in here. Yeah. There's no freaking way. I think, well, like, and there's different beds. There's day beds where they're bedding yeah. overnight. You know, they might just eat and just decide, I'll, I'll take a little nap. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think there's so much that we don't understand about deer that it's fun to say that we do. Oh, yeah. Right? Like well, rutting and bedding. I don't think people know. Uh, no one. There's not enough studies. You know, that's what, what every day we find however many new species of fish in the ocean. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I think every day there's something we can learn about a whitetail. Oh, absolutely. That we think we know and we don't. And it's just like I said, I, I know a lot of people in my area and – I think one of those bucks, someone had a picture of other than that. Mm-hmm. We Everyone's like, I don't know where he's coming from. Well, the flip side of that, I also know everyone that hunts two, three, four, five, six miles. Not everyone, but I know a majority of the big landowners and who hunts them. And I keep up with them. And even they don't have that. And it's just like, how can this guy, I mean, there's a reason why he's big, but he's so majestic that he can walk. He had to walk through my neighbor's place to get to me. I mean, he didn't just teleport. I mean, if mm-hmm. he... Maybe there's something we need to learn on there, yeah. <laughs> but I don't think they're teleporting places. So how, what, you know, and this is what makes, this is a head scratcher. What made him come to me? What made him find his way where no one else has seen him to come out in daylight in front of me? And that was like, I'm talking about that buck uh, last year, mm-hmm. especially and the year before that. And, you know, I had, he he was there. He lived on me for a week, but then he's gone and now no one knows where he is. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's wild. We've got that, that buck that I showed you, uh, Mr. Next year, the Mm -hmm. one that Peyton's had several encounters with this year. Um, every morning I, Peyton's pretty, he's pretty good at checking the cameras and like, I'll do some doom scrolling sometimes. Mm -hmm. He's pretty diligent about like, cause he obviously has a buck tag. So he's like very diligent. Yeah. And uh, every day I text him, I said, is Mr. Next year there? And he said, I haven't seen him in three days. And I'm like, oh, no. Because <laughs> I know if he runs by someone with 150 inches of headgear, he's gone. Yeah. But it's it's nuts. Because you always hear the, oh, he's a mile away. He's two miles away. They'll do that crap in the summer sometimes. Yeah. But, 
you hear five, six, you're like, oh, no. There was an MSU, t- talking about their study, there was a one buck that, like, crossed the Mississippi and lived in, like, Mississippi and then yes. went down to, like, Louisiana and, like, lived down there and they GPSed him. I was like, dude, we don't know crap yeah, that's, about where they go and why. Yeah, that's it's unreal. Like, you know, that's a, there's not a there's not a reasoning of why they are covering this whole much. Or in our eyes, there's not a reasoning why they need to go that far. But they know something we don't. Well, and was there not a doe suitable within that five mile stretch that uh, they hit? I don't. Or it's like there's all this social structure too. Did he try to hit? Uh, neighbor one, two, and three, but got his butt whooped on the way through, and he's like, "I'll just keep trying, I guess." Or, you know, just keep like, going. or was he like, "Oh, I'm gonna try to hit neighbor one, two, or three. Neighbor one smelt something, was like, "Oh, that didn't smell right." Moved to neighbor two, saw the truck there, you know, mm-hmm. and went to neighbor three, and you know, once again, neighbor two shot, and he's like, "I'm getting out of here." Like, there's a lot of stuff that can pressure him, and people don't think, you know, and I. I watched your clips of that guy saying, you know, I used to hunt thinking that uh, my wind or, you know, I used to go in there like, oh, it wasn't pressure. But I've learned the same way he was talking about. I don't know. I don't remember his name. It was just recently. And uh, he literally said, I hope it's yours. No, it might have been. <laughs> but, but, you know, he just said that he was like, you know, I, I learned you have to what you have to hunt it right. Like you have to stay out there until it's right. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's exactly you know, I'll be sitting at home on some of the best weather there is. And everyone's like, you're crazy. And I'm like, no, my wind is going to hit where my biggest deer usually come from right in the face. That's not, they're not, they're not going to come in there. Well, it's the rut is kind of this pandemonium where a lot of people are like, let's throw wind out. Let's throw all the smart way, you know, cause there might be a buck that comes from a corner of a field that they don't even come from. Yeah. Maybe he comes sprinting across the road with a doe, but we have a spot uh, down on one of our leases that it's a South wind stand. It's in an oxbow of a river. The bedding is, is against the river. There's no way to hunt it on a North wind. Every cold front's a North wind. Yep. And so what happens on a North wind? We watch every big buck we want to shoot. Mm-hmm. And we just hope to catch him on the tail end of it when yep. it switches back, but it's still kind of the, the cycle still there. Yep. But I don't think the rut is one of those times where it's just, okay, I'll, I'll throw every tried and true hunting tactic out the window and just try it. Like maybe if you have a rifle, that's a little bit different, but bow hunting the rut specifically, I'm not going to go in on the wrong wind. Yeah, I'm, I'm never going to go in on the wrong end, even a marginal wind. Last night I was headed in to hunt and I was already running a little late and, uh, I looked at the wind. No, it wasn't last night. My bad. It was uh, over the weekend and uh, running in a little late already. And I switched and went 20 minutes back the other way because I saw that I, I sat there and watched a leaf blow in front of me. And I was like, that's, that's not what the app said. Mm-hmm. And I legit pulled over, checked it myself. And I was like, yeah, I can't be doing that. You drove home? And I turned, no, I went to my other spot. Mm. But I also have spots set up to where I know that typically the deer, the deer aren't the deer don't come through and stay there. So if I'm running late, I'll slide up in one of them spots or I have a stands on the edge of fields that are blocked by cedars until I climb all the way to the top. So I, I have that stuff set up, but no, if it, the wind's wrong, I'm, I'm not. So when the, when the rut comes, is there, you know, you, it seems like in a lot of your places you hunt, you're hunting weed or food, um, do you change any of that for the rut or do you still hunt the same core stands that you're hunting just hoping to see rutting activity in those areas? Like so, do you get any funnels, any creeks or? Yeah. Um, 
you have a good point there, but uh, about how I hunt a lot of food. But, uh, you know, so my favorite spot to hunt, yeah, it's right over a food plot. But the whole layout of that land, that's one of the biggest draws there is. It has the most fingers go to it. Mm-hmm. So I have a lot of, it's, it's a travel, it's a natural travel area. And it, and I've heard the people that have leased this place, like the farmers, uh, and family say, you know, over the years, we've always seen deer in there, deer in rut. We see, and I went in there and I was like, man, this would be perfect. If I could hold does in a natural travel route, then why would I not be able to hold a buck in here? Mm-hmm. And, uh, so there, um, I don't really have to change anything there because if the wind's blowing right, it's going to be blowing. I love it during rut. If it's blowing either straight down the draw or straight up it, because a buck's going to work that draw with his nose. And, uh, so that's what I look for in the wind there, uh, during rut. Um, yes, I change in my other spot. It's a uh, 240 acres. We have a nine, uh, nine acre food plot and we have an eight acre food plot. Well, the smaller food plot kind of is the same thing. It, it's in a bigger, it's like in the bottom of our land. And uh, there's a lot of little timber that runs up to it. And uh, it, it seems like during the rut, we catch a lot more deer on that food plot, searching the mother one. Mother one I hunt, um, I try to hunt ways to it. Like uh, we have a big tower stand for my dad and uh, he's watching um, a big traveling route to that food plot. Mm. And uh, so we kind of, yeah, we change our ways. Um, I do hit rivers, um, or not rivers, creek crossings. Um, I hit draws. Especially if I go hunt public, which uh, when I have a big deer show up, all that kind of goes out of the picture because it's hard to swallow. Uh, why? Why do I need? Why do I want to go hunt public of not knowing what's there when I have? But well, I wouldn't, you know. And that's yeah. what I run into. So, uh, yeah, no, I hunt crossings, but sometimes um, a lot of my neighbors seem to hunt the same stuff across the fence. So a lot of times I'll back off. Hope hopefully that they're not. Um, watching the wind, um, they're not being as cautious as I am. Yeah. I can back off and sit down here, not pressure it, and I'm hoping they do it wrong, and it pushes the deer to me. And that's where also I find a lot of success is banking that, uh, you know, we call them the orange army, and I'm not saying that I disrespect that banking these guys with that thought of, oh, we don't need to watch wind. We have a rifle. We don't need to do this. Well, if you're not going to watch the wind, but you're going to have a feeder 50 yards away, mm-hmm. that doesn't make sense. Right. Because you're defeating the purpose. If your wind's blowing right to that feeder and you're going to hunt, 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 hunt over that feeder, then, I mean, you're defeating everything. So you got to watch the out. wind. Yeah. So, yeah. so that's what I'm banking it <laughs> on. I see the way they set up stuff and I'm like, you're not, you, you can't watch the wind or you can't hunt that with what we have on 99.9% of the winds in this area. And I'm like, what are y'all doing? But then that's the aspect. Oh, well, I don't have to, it's rut. Well, but I hope he stops when he's running away. <laughs> well, not not every not every doe is going to have a buck behind her. Mm-hmm. But every doe is probably going to go hit that little food source for a little bit. And where's your wind hitting? Well, when they blow out of there, that's not telling Mister Mature Buck. Oh, I need to go there and see why they're blowing. He's going to creep around, going, wonder what's going on. Well, and there's all these does and these fawns and stuff. They're like little tests, and that buck mm-hmm. sits in the wood and goes, "Okay, that's good, that's good." Yep. And he's the last guy to hit every yep. time. And if they blow. He probably ain't going to be yeah. doing it. And I find this this interesting in the rut because if you listen to a lot of podcasts during the rut, it's go get in a funnel, put the time in, da-da-da-da-da, like they don't use those the rest of the year or whatever. But I've had a lot of success even this last week in Texas of 
the priorities for the does don't change during the rut. No. It's still food. Yep. It's still security. Like, I've watched them. They come out on those wheat fields, and the only difference is the doe's still going to hit the wheat field, but the buck is just going to be running her in a figure eight all yep. over the place. And I've had them do it, like, run them right by me. Yep. I mean, it might be a 10-acre wheat field, like you're saying, but the priority for the doe, I see what people are saying on those funnels, but the doe's priorities never change. Yep. And it's just, if if the does are going to be on the food, especially when you're bow hunting, you just hope that they happen to be within 50 yards of where yep. they run one by. And I don't think you have to, I mean, maybe on public or something, you can you can change it up, but I don't think a lot of people have to change their tactic. Well, see, and that's, there's so many ways people hunt different that you have to change stuff. So like my buddy Kyle, um, he has three or four little food plots and, uh, and it's right on the river. Well, during this time of year, he doesn't touch the timber. He just kind of stays back. This time of year, he goes diving deep in there. Well, he's killed some of his biggest bucks cruising through that timber. Mm-hmm. And I mean, so yeah, that that aspect changes a lot because those bucks aren't going to be cruising in the open until they see what they want. And then they're going to go get it out in the open. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's what I think a lot of people don't understand. It's during rut, you know, you hear, oh, they're always in the open or they want to be in the, no, the bucks are going to stay in the timber or stay in thick brush until they find that doe. And after that, they lose their mind and they're going to push them out to where they can get them. Cause would you, if you're chasing something, would you rather go through thick stuff or would you rather go through this asphalt road or asphalt road? I'd, right I'd rather run, run in the open. So, and that's where their mind is. So yeah, changing the way you hunt can benefit you in situations, mm-hmm. but it's what the situation you're in is what you got to worry about. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I mean, that's, I agree with that. That, And every situation is a little bit different. That's why it's hard to give really, really general advice. Like this last weekend in Texas, I'm hunting a, I think it's a 20 acre wheat field. Yeah. And I'm like, man, this is going to have to work out. The odds of one running one by me on yeah. these edges, it could happen. But uh, Micah and Jake, who I was hunting with, they're like, we got a decoy. I don't want to set up this decoy. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh. I've been using the new Exodus Rival cell camera for the last couple months, and I have found a beautiful mainframe eight point with tons of stickers to go after this fall. One thing I do appreciate about Exodus trail cameras is all the cameras share the same data plans. You only pay for what you need. A lot of cell cam companies charge you for HD pictures. I've seen prices of $5 for 50 HD pics. Exodus is going to give you unlimited HD pictures right to your phone which is awesome when you're sitting there in the middle of the summer and it's 100 degrees and you just want to binge a bunch of trail cam photos. If you're looking for a solid cell camera with great performance and a five-year no BS warranty, go check them out. So as we all know, hunting gear is something people can make way too complicated. Arrows can be the exact same way. Instead of going down all those rabbit holes, trying to sift through the endless information that's online and you're not really sure if it's right or wrong, Exodus makes it simple to get the right arrow for your exact setup. So go online to the Exodus Arrow Builder. It takes less than a minute. You're going to enter your draw weight, your draw length, and how heavy of a point you're shooting. And it's going to be that simple. Let the guys at Exodus take care of the rest. So if you're interested in Exodus Rival cell cameras or a new set of their MMT arrows, just go to exodusoutdoorgear.com and use code HA15 for 15% off anything on the website. Once again, that is exodusoutdoorgear.com. Use code HA15 at checkout for 15% off. Now let's get back to the podcast. I'd like it's already low. Why not throw it out, right? Yeah. But I'm not going to go diving back into the security cover right now because I'm like, he's probably in there. So we set that decoy out and it comes on a freaking beeline yeah, right to that sucker. That so. little clip you sent me, I mean, when he steps out, 
He looks a little pissed off. Huh? Oh, he looks mad, but his this is body size. <laughs> Just the way he looks when he comes out, you're like, oh, man. What do you think the neck was on that deer? Because I left it in there, and uh, Jared uh, measured it. What do you think it was? I'd have to visualize the picture. I, I know our average necks in Oklahoma are around 18 to 19, and he looked a little bigger. Am I on the wrong? It's 23. 23. I was about to say, he looked bigger, so I was going to guess 21. 23. Wow. 23-inch neck on that sucker. Jeez. And it wasn't just puffed up. It was meat. Like, there yeah. was a piece of meat about that big under the esophagus. Yep. I was like, this guy's been doing neck ups in the yeah. timber. He was a freaking He's beast. been waiting for this moment for someone to step in there, and he's uh-huh. going to show him his boss. <laughs> well, he came in, and I will tell the full story on, like, a Hunt Talk episode, but he came in and started making a scrape at, from the second I saw him, he was watching the decoy. And then he walked about 20 yards up and he starts making a scrape, basically like, get on out before I kick your, you know? Yeah. And so he starts making the scrape and that decoy, obviously it's a decoy, so it doesn't move. And he's probably like, okay, you really want to do this, yeah. huh? Like you that was your warning. <laughs> yeah. That was your warning. And then he beelines with the ears back and he was ready to go. Uh, that there. was like your picture perfect moment of what you want to be in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you, when you, when it's, you know, mid to late November, I know for a lot of folks, they feel like the, the year's ending, but with Thanksgiving and all this stuff and like Oklahoma's rifle season, not even starting until like the 17th or Mm -hmm. 18th, this is usually when my season used to start. Yeah. And I always felt like we saw really, really good rutting activity until December 7th. It seems like even early December. I mean, we got so many does running around. Um, they're not all in the same stride of when their cycle is so um i think you know especially this year since we had a rough summer and a somewhat rough fall last year it's still kind of dry i had a lot of late late does well they're already behind so or mm-hmm. late fawns excuse me so they're already behind well their cycle's going to be behind their first cycle's going to run behind mm-hmm. and you know and that's what the studies have shown even in january they're still your fawns can your first year fawns can still go in cycle in January. So do you when do you see like there if it's a bell curve, you know, ten percent on this side, ten percent on this side, when do you think eighty percent of it's done, like when you're hunting? Like when are you like, hey, rut's over, I'm going back to food late season? Mm. Well see, that's another hard question because like I said, I know how hard some of my other spots get pressured, so I stay out I try to stay out as much as I can. Mm-hmm. And so I this one spot in particular, I I house about 10 to 15 does. Yeah. And, uh, well, let me phrase that. I Early season, 6 to 8, maybe 10. And then it's like middle rifle. I, you know, I've told you this. I go through about 300, 350 pounds of feed a week at this spot because you know, it's a gravity feeder. And uh, during this time of year, it's unreal about how many deer are out there. I, I have too small of a food plot. I can't keep my feeder full and it's like just every, I don't know if it's the pressure or, you know, if they're moving to more food, but there's food all the way around me because people have food plots. So I'm thinking, I think the pressure, especially the one, one of my neighbors, I mean, it's, it's a family owned deal and I've pulled in there and seen, you know, four or five different trucks. I don't know if there's one person in a truck. I don't know if there's four, Yeah, but I've visually looked in the timber driving to my spot and they're sitting every 50 to 100 yards in lawn chairs <laughs> like a wall 
Well, thou shalt not pass. <laughs> well, you know, and I'm like, well, if they're not seeing you that day, I bet they keep pushing in or, you know, well, if you have that many people, you know, like what is cousin Eddie? He gets a little bored. He, he might have to go to the bathroom. Well, if he goes to the bathroom, not see anything. Well, I'm going to go take a look over there, mm-hmm. you know? So I, my place builds up like crazy this time of year. And, uh, my transition, I don't know. Cause I don't, I don't really get away from food. Mm-hmm. Like I hunt oaks a lot, so I know when to go hunt certain stands when the acorns are falling. But I always kind of stay around food because they always have to have it. Mm-hmm. And I'm in an area where if I put it there, they have they're going to want to come to the food. So I don't really transition. I, but uh, man, what? I'd have to say that weekend or that week after your last week of rifle. I kind of get out of my mind of, oh man, I wonder what's going to come cruising. I get to, I wonder what's going to, what's going to need something to survive and start rebuilding his body mm-hmm. and getting that fat and muscle built back to survive this rest of the winter. And, uh, so I kind of think about, I look at that and I start looking, I do a lot of Intel with my, uh, trail cameras, but, uh, my spot and that's a little farther North that I said, I have those two big food plots on, um, that that place changes when it comes to hunting this mm-hmm. time of year. Um, you got a lot of does, and and if a buck comes in, it seems like it wants to be right at dark. But like I said, my other spot, how I have it set up through a natural big draw, um, I don't really have to change. So let, you've already shot a buck in October this year, right. but if you if it's November twenty first right now, would you do you start getting more nervous, or you still go out out every day at this time of the year, pretty? pretty good about the possibility of seeing a mature buck like oh, let's say I, you hadn't had it killed one already how would you be feeling today if you were to go out this evening feel pretty good about mid-november late november yeah i i still think you know my best growing up i we always did muzzleloader hunt rife hunt call it a year yeah that's what we did too i didn't even know you could bow hunt i, mm-hmm. didn't, I didn't know i and then you know the people that you did bow hunt you're like Wow, you're crazy. You're they're hardcore. Yeah, you're you're wild. <laughs> yeah. now, now I'm the wild person. But yeah. but no, I don't really change. Uh my hopes are still that um my deer I mean I'm I'm my hopes are that the big bucks are gonna come in. Um I just know he's not gonna come in chasing. So I gotta I gotta really watch the wind. I gotta really note where they're coming from. I gotta, you know, I gotta start um making sure that if there's gonna be any any way the wind might be blown wrong, mm-hmm. I stay out because instead of relying on my does to bring one in, I got to rely on rely on the pressure and my food source. Well, if they learn that there's no pressure and there's a good food source, then they're going to start coming in. Mm-hmm. And then that's what I've learned late year. You know, if I have one coming in, back off until it's right. Go in there when it's right. And he's so comfortable at that point because, mm-hmm. you know, the first pictures you get, it's funny because they come in there and they look scared. I mean, their head up, their neck stretched out looking at your feeder. Their neck is stretched out Long looking. Necking. Yeah, they're looking at the old scrapes. They're smelling this. They're smelling that. Then day two, they come in there. It's like they've been there all year. Mm-hmm. And after that, it's like, it's funny because like in my some of my camera, this, this, this uh, food plot in particular has a camera that watches the length of it. And, uh, those those will you know early the first time I get a big deer they'll be sitting there just staring down you know just long neck and staring down in this by this thicket is where a lot of the big bucks come through because of how natural of a crossing and pathway it is through there 
they'll just be long necking. I mean, it seems like forever. There'll be five minutes worth of pictures, and then and all of a sudden, in the background, you start seeing the rack, and mm-hmm. then, and then the next picture, he'll be a little closer, and then, and then it's funny because as it goes, like as time passes, the next couple of days, they'll look up, and then boom, two minutes, he'll be out there eating with them, and mm-hmm. I'm just like, it's just funny watching that. But no, my I don't I don't really change anything. Um, I don't pressure to get out. I don't sit all day. That's something I guess you could say. Deer and rut, those bucks seem to you know get on their feet more, which everyone knows. But uh, I don't tend to get out there and take a little Sammy and <laughs> a couple couple little, brownies little and some Folgers, but uh, and sit all day, but. I definitely still get there pretty early and yeah. still trying to hang as late as I can. Well, it sounds like the theme of what kind of what you're saying um, is just like this time of the year, just staying disciplined with yep. your wind, your approach, staying focused. Because there's a lot of people that they might have had 45 days of hunting already and they're beat down. They're like, man, you start to think in your mind, it's going to take a miracle to kill yeah. one of these bucks. But it's not the time to kind of throw all your all your like discipline to the mm-hmm. wayside because it is still the time of year you can look down and be like there he is yep been waiting all year for this and you're sitting there on your phone with a half half dead battery and you know you haven't even prepared yourself mentally for it yeah and one opportunity for the year sitting in front of you but you think since you got beat down you know it's not going to happen that's yeah not, that's not how it works yeah yeah it's you just gotta you just gotta like said like you said be disciplined it's funny because you hear that when you when you talk to NBA and NFL players and yeah. talk about the discipline, but it rolls into anything you do. Mm-hmm. If you stay disciplined, you know, the, the theory behind it is if you stay disciplined more times than not, it's going to work out in your favor. Eventually. When that opportunity comes, you're ready. Yeah. You know, yeah. and that's what, you know, those NBA and NFL players and I mean all sports players, but you hear them on the interviews all the time talking about discipline. Like I remember like Russell Westbrook, that's all he talks about every time. Discipline, discipline, discipline. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and that's what he's saying. You just got to, you got to stay who you are because eventually it's going to pay off. If you keep changing it, then everything around you is going to change. And that's mm-hmm. what I kind of look at this like, well, if I'm going to change and not hunt this right, not that right, well, what does that do? That puts me, puts my wind in wrong places. It puts me going in the places at the wrong time. Mm-hmm. So... Well, I have a buddy, uh, my buddy Jake Ayers, like one of the things I admire about, he turkey hunts quite a bit. He's a big deer hunter too, but Mm -hmm. he's uh, just insane about turkey hunting. Like killed like eight or nine birds in like seven different states last year. And he's just got it. And every day, you know, as you start your hunting season, let's just say you took a week off for the rut. Day one, you're bright eyed and bushy tailed. Day seven, you you don't light your hair on fire. He wakes up every single day like it's day one. Even if he got his teeth kicked in, spent yeah. 12 hours out, got sunburnt, tired, didn't get to go to the grocery store, got two hours of sleep, he wakes up the next day and he's like, today's the day. Yeah. And I feel like when you wake up that way, you're not, if it's the rut and you're deer hunting, you're not sleeping in, you're not walking in 10 minutes before. Yeah. You, if you stay like that, you're ready when the opportunity presents itself because you really never know when. Yeah. And that's something I do that helps me a lot. And that's what people don't, yeah. Everyone's like, yeah, you get to go hunting, but they don't really understand how exhausting it is. Mm-hmm. Like if you're like how much I put my, how much effort I put in it, how much time I put in it, you know, if I don't, I'm not, I don't sleep that well anyway. So if something gets in my mind, I might not sleep, but two or three hours and I'm waking up early mm-hmm. and then, you know, it, it just drains you. Right. And, uh, you know, that's what, 
something I I've done to help myself stay in the be ready mood and every day is good is I get there and I look, I tell myself, you know, look for what you're thankful for. Mm-hmm. That's leg- That's why we're there. Mm-hmm. It, you know, it's the harvest is the icing and the five candles on top, you know, yeah. like, but the reason why we're there, you know, I always be thankful. You know, I, every morning I get in the stand, I pray every night I get in the stand, I pray. And I'm like, you know, show me why I'm, I'm, why I get to sit here and watch a world go to sleep or why I get to sit here and watch a world wake up, you know? And that's what I like carrying the camera along. I'm getting chills over this, but you know, like my opening video for my eight point I shot last year, it is the prettiest orange mm-hmm. there is. And the crows are sitting on top of that tree hollering at each other. One of my favorite colors is orange. Yeah. All right. Go pokes. And yeah. Go pokes. <laughs> but I just, I, it's just been my favorite color and it's like, that morning, you know, when that came up, I just, you just have to laugh. You're like, there it is, mm-hmm. you know, or you're sitting there and you're like, you hear something, you look, it's a whole covey of quail. And you're like, you know, there's just all the little things that I keep telling myself, look forward of why I get to sit here and why I'm here. I'm not here. Cause if you're there just to kill a deer, you're going to get burned out so fast. Oh yeah. So fast. If you don't get one, if you don't get one down in October in those first 30 days, when November comes around, you're just going to be like, I don't even know why I do this. Mm-hmm. And that's why I've told you, I've hit that wall. I hit it about every year and I got to get a little reset in. Take a step and then back. that's kind of what I do is, and, uh, I, I really try to keep in my mind, like, why am I here? Keep, why, keep first things what, first. What brings me out here? Yes. Knowing that a, a big deer is going to come out, but mm-hmm. in between that time, why am I here? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's really important. I mean, yeah. keeping first things first because yeah. you know, if you're looking for one moment to make you happy, like you might talk about one fifteen second encounter, yeah. that, that ain't gonna sustain you hunting fifty days a year. Well, I mean, let me ask you this: you don't go, you, or let me put it in this way: you don't win a championship, you don't win a national title off of not preparing yourself and you know and doing what you can all the games before, mm-hmm. you know, why am I here? You're being disciplined. So later in the season, when it's time to go for the big ending, here it is. And this, you've been disciplined. Well, that's why deer hunting, the deer is your gold ball. Mm-hmm. That deer is your, the biggest ring you've ever seen on your finger, you know? And that's what you kind of do. You got to keep staying there and you got to keep, keep your mind fresh. You got to keep going. And then when the time happens, you're like, yay. If it doesn't happen, then you're like, well, what do I need to do better that didn't do this year? And then that's that's a whole different game right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, it's the rut, people that are listening. It's not over. Even if you're one of those folks that hasn't killed one, if I if I hadn't killed one right, like it's November twenty first and hadn't killed one, I'd be pretty pretty worried and nervous. So I can't pass that on and say, "Oh, be." It's always easier from the other side saying, yeah. "Like, no, you got to yeah. get out there, man." And you're sitting at the house. I'm cheering you on. Yeah. Get out there, but reality is we're at the halfway point of the season yep. there's a lot of of game left to play and uh i've seen it happen what's the latest you've ever shot a deer uh so the latest i've ever shot a deer or a buck let's just say a, a, a buck I'm trying to put this better not be to november 21st better no. have a december in there I, well see i know i well, last year's deer. No, I got him in rifle. I think the latest I've ever shot one 
It was the last day of rifle one year. December 5th? Yeah. Yeah. So and, we're still two weeks from there. And I I, sh- I shot it because, I mean, it was, a, it was a big deer, but, I mean, it was an old mature deer, and it wasn't like, a, oh, I have to shoot something. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying, I don't think I've ever shot one later than that, which like last year I had that big deer later, but uh, I kind of was in that wreck, and I was in a lot of different doctor's appointments and all that, so I kind of couldn't get in there as much but mm-hmm. if i would have stayed after him i mean he was in there till gen- until he dropped mm-hmm. so i mean i could have been in january and killed him yeah i think my latest was last year december 7th or 8th was the light latest mm-hmm. i've ever shot one so i mean it's been a really hot first half of november like mm-hmm. really temperature hot yeah and i mean i've heard of a lot of people saying i'm sitting in the stand november 10th and i'm not seeing a deer oh i and i wonder if some of that front loaded rut activity that you typically see is going to be in the second half of the month now because maybe maybe those deer are, are were hitting and breeding at night which i'm sure they do yeah my but, deer are moving unreal at night really yes getting a lot of pictures yeah i mean and we've had Another thing is like we have a lot of our feeders over food source or cameras over feeders and food sources. Mm-hmm. And it's like we're not getting any great pictures. Big bucks aren't hitting feeders right now no. for, in my places. And there's a lot of probably activity that you're not observing on cameras mm-hmm. right now. Well, like I said, that one food plot that has a camera that goes straight, that looks all the way across it. I mean, 20 yards away, I have a feeder and uh, there's a camera on there. And, uh, and then. It's, and then my other place where I have that nine acre food plot, I got a camera on a feeder and then I got a camera on a scrape line. Well, that camera on the scrape line and that camera that projects across the plot, um, this time of year, you have to put those out. They have been my lifesaver of, I don't have anything to go in. Holy cow, where did this deer come from? Or, oh, this deer isn't walking the hundred yards of the feeder. He's hitting these scrapes and broad daylight 12 30 in the afternoon mm-hmm. you know and that's something i've learned too is just go in there put a camera on a scrape and you'll be very uh, very surprised at what you catch yeah that's interesting because i think between me jake and peyton most of our cameras are on food or feeders mm-hmm. and it's like everybody's like man i'm not seeing anything i'm like 90 percent of that activity is not happening right yep. there right now and even if a doe's sitting at the feeder, if she sees somebody busting out the woods, she's probably running off before he yeah, gets there. Yeah. Yep. I see a lot of that. So you shot a you shot a good buck in October. Do you have any do you have any previous history with that sucker? No, I have no idea where that deer came does from. Does that make it any does that make it any less uh ha- like do you get any less fulfillment after shooting like just a random buck or do you like no. to have multi year stories with one? No, uh I mean Yeah, cool story. It's cool, but I'm like, where did this buck come? Why did he just now show up? I mean, six and a half, seven and a half year old deer, where was he? Mm-hmm. You know, and my other deer, I can be like, oh, he outsmarted me this year. He did this that year. This deer literally came in. I was kind of late putting up a camera out there. I put a camera up the night before. Um, 30 minutes after shooting light, he's there. And I was about to leave. Um, it was that Sunday. I was about to leave. And I called my girlfriend. I was like, you know, I think I'm going to hunt. I was like, I'd have to get in the stand in the next 30 minutes. I'm already here. I might as well. I don't have, I have all my work done. I actually started, was starting my new job that Monday. Oh, okay. So I was like, I didn't know what I was going to have to start doing at work. So uh, I was like, I'm just going to slip in and see what happens. And there he is, you know, 20 minutes before shooting light ends. There he is. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, no, I don't, 
I don't take any less hit. I, sometimes I think it's more exciting because of the unexpected. Yeah, know? the romanticizing. You always sit there in the stand. You're like, what could show up? And then when they do, you're like, yeah. ooh. Well, you know, if you if they're there and there and there, you start expecting them to be there when they're not there. You get mad. Well, then all of a sudden something's there that's not normal. You're like, whoa. Mm-hmm. So how did that hunt play out? You slipped in one evening. It's or it's early October. It's still probably pretty. Was it one of those good cold fronts we got in October? It was. Uh, it was. A cool front came in, and then Kinda we cold. were we were moving into it. A little cooler front was supposed to come in the next day. So it was it was eighty nine, not ninety. Yeah, that day. Yeah, but uh, no, he, like, like I said, I I didn't know really was out there, and that's kind of something that I usually run year round cameras and all that out there. Well, my brother put cattle out there that year, so I took my cameras down because if anyone knows how cattle are, I don't know how they do it, but they can pick out any camera. Anything that you don't want them to touch or break, they'll pick it out. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want all my tactic hands and, uh, to be broke out there, so I pulled them. And uh, I just moved. So I had a lot going on, and uh, so I didn't have any of my cameras out. I still had feed out, still had my food plot out, which my food plot wasn't growing because it was um, drier than we've ever seen. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, yeah, um, I kind I actually just kind of sit there to kind of take like an intel of what's coming in. And, uh, I, I knew he was there. I saw him the night before, um, never had any other pictures of him. And then boom, there he is. I mean, it was crazy. Like I kind of have a tree that kind of sits over here. You can see in my video, that's where the feeder is. And I can't really see behind the tree, but most deer come from the far end and walk in, or they come from my left down this deep trail. He just comes popping out from behind that tree. Like these does are boxing in the video and they stop and look and here he comes in and I was like, Holy cow. And I wasn't even ready. I was just focused on those does. The does were making some, like, like some weird, I've heard them grin at each other, but this noise that they kept making at each other is kind of funny and I couldn't catch it on video and it's getting me mad. Mm-hmm. And so I was trying to catch it on video and then all of a sudden there he is. And, and, uh, I had to wait for 15 minutes while he's in front of me, which felt like a lifetime, you know, <laughs> yeah. for him to finally give me a shot and, uh, 30, he was like 38 yards and, you pretty comfortable with that range? Oh yeah. You got a. You said you you guys bought a house in six acres. Do you get to? Do you do any long range shooting in the summer? Yeah, I. Uh, and we've talked about this a little bit before, but yeah, no, I uh, I do quite a bit of shooting. Like mm-hmm. and and this year, once again, going back on the wreck, I didn't. I, my shoulder was messed up, so I couldn't really pull back my bow. Well, I finally get released, and uh, you know my girlfriend's looking at me, and she's like, "That doesn't mean you're free. That just means." take it easy you know and i'm like oh no that means i'm it's time. a free man and i go get my bow and here I, here i start shooting but no usually i shoot all summer um minimum five nights probably mm-hmm. if i had to put days on it and uh, i do i try to get 10 to 15 to 20 shots in at 20 30 40 and 50 and if my 50 is good i'll step back to 60 and if it's good i'll go to 70 i'm not really ever aiming to shoot that far and mm-hmm. which i probably never will unless we're talking right. about elk hunting yeah but i just do it because the farther you are in the accurate more accurate you are the better off you're in your close shots mm-hmm. and sometimes i start farther and i move my way in because when you're in you know when you start 60 yards and you get to 20 you're like holy cow yeah that's a i could hit that yeah i could throw the arrow and uh, yeah so that's something i do but yeah no i usually shoot as much as i can um, I don't shoot where I get tired. I shoot, like I said, if if I'm out there, it's been a long day, I might shoot just 10 arrows, but I'm doing it at 10 arrows at, like I said, all the way at the 20 to 50 yards. Mm-hmm. So what is that, 20? 
40 arrows? Yeah. Still quite a few. And and I, I'm you know, I'm sure there's some nights if if I can go up to 20 and and I'm putting them right there at your you know, your ping pong to golf ball, mm-hmm. I'll move back. You don't need to shoot again. There's no reason. Yeah. And then if I go to 30 and I can do it maybe a little bit bigger, you know, I don't need to sit there and shoot. Mm-hmm. But now if I get to a place where I can't get them tight, then I'm going to sit there and focus on what I'm doing. Yeah. Yeah. So that deer, you're sitting there early October. You got a deer at 38 yards. You're no hesitation. Oh, no hesitation. He's stopped broadside. He was aim. He was aiming uh, quarter to me just a little bit. And, uh, I mean, in, in my opinion, the quarter to you, the quarter away, most lethal shot there is. Mm. And I know some people think I'm, you know, that's like, no, oh, no way, broadside. Well, if you're sending in, you know, 28, 29-inch shaft through them with a sharp object, if they're angled, you're going through more body to get out to the other side. Well, that more body has more of the organs, more, you know, I mean, the more kill shot. So even if you, on that quarter shot, you know, if he's straight away, if he's broadside and I hit a little too front for the heart, it might not hit the heart. Mm-hmm. You know, it should still hit the lungs or if I hit, you know, say, let's talk about high. If you hit high, there's a chance you don't hit anything. Well, if he's quartered away, now you're going through more of the body and you should be able to hit more. And Yeah, a little, kind of like a little combo punch. So yeah, when it was 38, 40 yards, there's, and that's what we've talked about this before. When I shoot, I'd go through a routine of what to do. You know, I pull back, make sure, you know, I always grab my bow, make sure it's on the fat of your thumb. But when I pull back, you know, I always go lock, breathe, shoot, lock. Mm -hmm. And that means when I go up, I rest these two knuckles on for a, for a, what do they call it? Thumb button? No. um, uh, Anchor point? Yeah. Yeah. There it is. It left me. For an anchor point, put it up here, breathe, relax, shoot. Well, then when I've noticed myself in the standing, see me draw back. See me Same take thing. my breath. And, uh, you know, that's a lot of people don't understand that either. They're like, well, if I can hit a softball at 20, I can hit at 50. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you should probably practice that. Yeah, yeah. Because when you call me and I have to come out there, and which I love to help people track. I love to experience, you know, when I like to be there in the moment with the people. But if I'm out there and I see that blood and I'm like, well, Sorry, buddy. <laughs> he's, he's he's somewhere else, and he's yeah. not here. Uh huh. And you know, and that's what you know. And like I said, I've done that before, and that's what driven me to make sure I'm put in a situation where I can do the best. Because as hunters, I feel like, and I've told you this multiple times, as hunters, it's not it's not the animal's fault mm-hmm. that we're shooting them. It's what we want to do. Yeah. You know, and that's why I don't. I and once again to back this up because I know all the Karens out there are going to be like, oh, you just want to kill. No, because when I take, when I harvest that deer, like I know what I'm getting. I know I'm going home. I'm going to get food, you know, and I, that's what, if, if I have enough food and I know some family that needs some and they want a deer, I'll go shoot one and use my tag Mm -hmm. and give it to them. I mean, it's, it's a free source. If you break it away from what everyone wants to commercialize it as, it's a free source of food for people in need. And it's a free, that many, I mean, what do you think you get? How many pounds off a buck you think? Oh, 30, 40 pounds. 30, 40, maybe 50. Yeah, it depends how big. crazy. <laughs> yeah. That's 30, 40, 50 pounds of beef. I don't have to go buy and go price what beef costs. Mm-hmm. And that's another thing on me is my family all raises beef and uh, they give me a half to a full beef every year. So I have a lot of beef in the freezer. Mm-hmm. 
So I don't have to go out there. I get the luxury of, I don't have to sacrifice or I don't have to live off what I harvest. Yeah. So a deer is almost like a, Oh, like, uh, it's like a treat for me. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like tonight I'm cooking deer tacos, you know, yeah. instead of everyone going, Oh, we've ate deer so much all year. Let's, let's go buy some steaks. I'm the other way. And that's why I, I enjoy deer more. Yeah. Growing up, I ate it a lot more. Um, but now I actually finding new ways to cook it, finding way new. I love to make jerky. I love to make jerky. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so I get to do all these new flavors and I really like, you know, I, I get to enjoy it. And then I'm like, wow, that was an incredible experience. Mm-hmm. Let's go again. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. So, so you shoot this buck at 38 yards and runs on camera and, uh, have him falling over on camera, maybe 60 yards. Mm. Did, did you, uh, did you gut him or did you just skin him out? Like, do you know exactly what you hit? Do you double long him or what? Oh, uh, so when I, when I gutted him, um, I was in a hurry. Like I said, I started to work and I didn't want to be tied up too late. Um, it nicked, it nicked, it did go lungs. And then, uh, but there was so much like this mush when I cut that front cavity open where the heart mm-hmm. is, you know, that little, whatever, what do you call it? The little, like the thing that splits it the little layer of skin what is that oh i know what you're talking i know it about. i Rumen could, or something yeah yeah something uh oh i forget what it is but anyways pardon me for that but uh when i when i cut that open all the stuff that came dropping out you know i was like ah i don't get it everywhere mm-hmm. but there was this mush and you know it's a good one when it you cut it open and it just looks like like cotton candy yes. uh, red coming out you're like ah, i don't even know it's just disintegrated or if you just barely nick it and you just hear it it sounds like you popped a hole in the in a water tank yeah yeah you're yeah. like well i did that i did that's what's supposed to be like and yeah that was cool and i shot him um he had that old the arm up that you see that people shooting the rifle the leg up a little bit oh, yeah. head down mm-hmm. and i was i knew he's gonna go down right away but i've never experienced that i've seen him hunker up i've seen him run hurt like i knew they were gonna expire but i haven't seen like he got hit by a rifle and he there you went. Well, it's like that dead man running. And there's no better feeling when you shoot him with a bow, when you shoot him and you're like, he's on borrowed time. Yeah. Like, he's done. And you see him running and it, you get to watch it and you're like, that was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It's awesome. I, so like he, when he fell over, you know, I was like, yes, that's awesome. But man, I'm a sissy when it comes to watching him falling over sometimes. I hate it. Really? I can't watch it sometimes. I mean, it, there's a sadness to it, but I know in my mind, if I'm going to shoot one, that's best case scenario. Yeah. Well, yeah. that's what, you know, that's another thing I think of. I'm like, you know, that animal, the, the, all the ways that it, it could be killed out here. I've put it in the best position. You know what I mean? Like I've given it the most lethal, painless yeah. thing it's ever felt. And that it, when it runs away, that's all, that's all motion at that point. It's like you said, it's a dead deer running. Mm-hmm. It's. They don't know what's going on. No, not a bit. Well, I got a uh, I got a meeting in seven minutes, and uh, we literally just decided to do this in the truck, yeah. which is kind of hilarious. I, that, and now I'm very glad. We bought these podcast headphones. We're like, if we get these, you think we'll do more just like running guys? Yeah. We've used them like 10 times already. Hey, and this any, is the exact scenario why we Anytime you're around, you want to do one holler. Yeah. Well, um, first so, time we ever met in person in right. three years. 
That's right. Thought about, I thought about telling the waitress that this is my brother, that we're just now, we didn't know that, and we're yeah, just connecting there we go. just to see what she would do. But <laughs> We might have got a free brownie out yeah, of that one. Yeah. Maybe, maybe we'll try that at a new restaurant. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah so uh, you got one one more buck tag. What's the what's the plan for the rest of the season? You're going to keep hard at it in Monocoma? Yep, I'm going to be hard at it. Uh, my goal is 160-plus. Good luck. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, no, if he comes out and he's five and a half, six and a half, and uh he'll he'll be down gonna get you one well you already got one of your you got your butt kill from this year already on youtube um where can people connect with you and watch your videos or social media what's the what's all the uh outdoor defiance um i don't really use my personal i don't either anymore platform anymore but outdoor defiance um i mean that's everywhere Uh, instagram facebook instagram facebook we don't really have to have a no one really has a name similar to us Uh uh-huh and uh, so I just type in outdoor defiance, we should pop up. You'll see, uh, usually it's either our logo or it's Gunner doing the old grip and grin with that monster over deer. You shot, guys so. probably have seen that one before. Yeah. So you'll see that and you're like, oh, that's them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yep. exactly. So you guys got Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. That's all the places to follow. Yep. All right. Podcast coming soon. Uh, hopefully. Maybe. Maybe. We'll, maybe. See. we'll see. Well, cool. I appreciate you doing this. Man. Hey. We're definitely going to do it again. Oh, yeah. All right. Peace, guys. Deuces. See ya. Thank you guys so much for checking out the Hunter's Advantage podcast. If you enjoyed the episode, make sure to leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcast, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you listen to the podcast. Thank you guys so much, and we'll see you in the next episode.